0: Well, good morning, good morning. Uh, Students, uh, I can just see like this relief of like finals and all that's behind you, right? Uh, You're excited, all that stress is gone. Now you can just like sleep into one or whatever, you you know, you do. I'm not sure. Well, if you've been coming with us um, to to here for a while, you know we've been journeying through the book of Matthew. So this morning we're in chapter 13, um, and uh, chapter 13 is a... um, it can be a confusing passage because it's it's just a bunch of parables. As you have your Bible open and looking down, uh, you'll see eight parables. And um, if you're like me, parables can be very confusing. Um, you're in good company. The disciples were confused. A lot of times they say, Jesus, we don't know what you mean. And I love the parables where Jesus says, well, let me tell you what I mean. And then he would go to explain it. Uh, you'll see some of those in this chapter and some of those uh, he doesn't uh, explain, but you're going to see that all eight of these parables are about the kingdom of heaven. As Andrew mentioned when the call of worship this morning, that that's one of the major themes of uh, the book of Matthew, is, is Jesus is this, he's this promised child, and, and, and he's this king who's coming, and every king has a kingdom, and so you'll see the kingdom of heaven mentioned Um, During this series, at least 32 times, you'll see it um, several times in this chapter alone. So let's read chapter, most of chapter 13, and then we will uh, walk through this passage together. So let's uh, start in verse 1. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat down. And since they had no root they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears let him hear. Then the disciples came to him, or came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been In their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear but never understand, and you will indeed see but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear. And their eyes have been closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see in your ears, As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and another thirty. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in, the, in his field. But while he was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain... Then the weeds appeared also, and the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servants said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow. Uh, "'Together until the harvest, and at harvest time I will tell the reapers, "'Gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, "'but gather the wheat into my barns.' "'He put another parable before them, saying, "'The kingdom of heaven is like a, uh, a grain of mustard seed "'that a man took and sowed in his field. "'It is the smallest of all seeds, "'but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants "'and becomes a tree.'" So that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. All these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. I will... Open up my mouth in parables, I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. Then he left the crowds and went into the house, and his disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, The one who sows of the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all uh, causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be reaping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers but threw the bad away. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous And throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things? They said to him, yes. And he said to them, therefore, the scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out his treasure, what is new and what is old. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you. We understand that you are the king of this kingdom. And there is a seriousness to this passage. That we have to understand what this means for us. That we see there's going to be a, a day that's coming where there's going to be a separation of good from evil. We, Lord, uh, Lord we know that it... Uh, Something about our hearts um, that 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 we need to surrender to you. So, Lord, I pray, uh, I pray the same that you prayed for uh, these crowds and your disciples that day. I pray um, that he who has ears, let him hear this morning. Give us eyes to see, Lord. Help us not to be blinded. That we would not be deceived from the evil one. Grant us your grace and mercy this morning. And I pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. So here we we see this this parable, this chapter with eight parables, all about the kingdom of heaven. And uh, I I think some things we need to keep in front of us before we walk through this is um, what is a parable? A parable is simply, it's an illustration, uh, it's, a, it's a simile, uh, meaning it's, it's, a par- it's, a, it's an illustration, a story using like or as, and, and, it's, and it's to point us to some kind of spiritual truth. And um, Jesus gives us two reasons why um, he gives us parables, and we see that in verses 11 through 13. Uh, in 11 through 13, uh, it just says, Uh, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and uh, he will have an abundance, but from the one who, who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And so we see two purposes here, and you see them in different ways throughout this chapter, but one uh, purpose that Jesus gives the parables is to reveal uh, uh, the truth to those who believed. So to the disciples, it was given more. They had abundance, and so they were rejoicing. Yes, we understand what you're saying. The second purpose is to conceal truth from those who continue to deny the obvious. These are those people that we talked about last week that blasphemed the Holy Spirit. They continued in this just attributing the works of Christ to the works of Satan. And and, and so to them, their eyes just continue to be blind. Uh, And so you see these two purposes here in these parables. Um, And then he mentions the kingdom of heaven. A number of times, we have to understand, um, to to this audience, they really struggled with what the kingdom of heaven was. Uh, In the kingdom of heaven, there's, there's this idea that it's the now and not yet. That there's this um, present reality that the kingdom of heaven right now is advancing. And we see that, uh, and you're gonna see one of the, a uh, couple of the parables here mention that, that the kingdom is moving, it's advancing. John the Baptist in chapter 3 was saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is what? It's at hand, it's now. But then there's the not yet, and this is what confused a lot of the Jews. Because they thought when the Messiah would come, it would be the now. Like, he would usher in this new kingdom. He would restore Israel. He would overthrow Rome. And so they were really confused about the not yet part—that there's this future reality that that the King is returning. That's what Advent's about. The word Advent is—it's uh, it's from a Latin word, just meaning coming or arrival. So we celebrate, you know, his his. His coming, that he came as a baby and we celebrate these things that he's accomplished. But Advent also points us to the future, that he's coming again. And so they struggled with this idea of the future reality. And most of these parables have this picture of this future reality. So like, for example, in Acts 1-6. In Acts 1-6, uh, Jesus has um, been with his disciples. He's rose from the dead and he was with them um, for a period of time and... Um, they look at um, Jesus in, in, in Acts, um, verse 6. It says, so when they had come together, this is talking about the disciples, they asked him, Lord, will, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? What are they talking about? The, the present reality. They want the kingdom now. Let's look at what Jesus says. He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witness, my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and until the end of the Earth. So Jesus was pointing them to this future kingdom, that you will be my witnesses, that I, just be patient. I'm doing a work that you wouldn't even understand. And so we have to keep in mind this, this idea of the present and future reality of the kingdom of heaven, that right now the kingdom of heaven is among us. We see God doing a work. Uh, and uh, we are waiting his return. So, as we walk through these, I want you to just keep that em- keep those uh, um, ideas in mind: what a parable is, and uh, his purposes for those parables, and the idea of a present future reality. The first parable that we read, uh, the the parable of the sower, is probably the most known of all these eight parables. Um, it, Honestly, it, it, I think it could even be called the parable of the soil, because that's really what it's talking about. That's the key to this whole um, parable, is understanding the soil. And so um, he gives four different types of soil. The first soil, he explains, um, and this is the ones I love when he explains what this parable meant in verses 18 through 23, we see the explanation of this parable. He says, the first soil was just hard. It was so hard, uh, the, the evil one came and snatched it right, right as it was sowed. Um, and this could be referring back to last week. Again, you remember that audience that Jesus was talking to and, and how he just said they, they, they um, some of them had been blaspheming the Holy Spirit. And so here's this idea that maybe that's what's going on here. This first soil is this hardening of hearts. Um, and... Um, The hardened heart is um, sown and it's taken away. The second heart here is a superficial heart. This is the one that was sowed in the rocky ground. It grew quickly, but it had no root. Um, When tribulation or persecution um, would come in verse 21, immediately they would fall away. This is the one that you probably can put faces to. That in your lifetime, you've probably seen people, man, they just thrived and and and, and just uh, grew. And you're like, man, he or she, they're going to do great things for the Lord. And then maybe something happened in their family, some dynamic, and then they fell away. And Jesus is saying they have no roots. And it was just maybe from that movement of where you just... Maybe you walked an aisle, maybe that's what you grew up in church where you just walked an aisle or signed a card or just raised your hand and said, I want to be a Christian, but you didn't understand that, that it was about, um, there was a cost, uh, that you didn't understand the cost of what it meant to be a, a disciple, that Jesus never promised you that things were going to be easy. In fact, taking on the name of Christ I means things are going to get a lot harder uh, that Satan is going to turn up the, the heat on you. And so for a lot of people, that's when they fall away. When tribulations come, they fall away. Um, the great evangelist George Whitfield, uh, during the Great Awakening, he had preached to thousands of people. And everybody wanted to ask him, you know, George, how many people got saved? And he would see people, you know, respond um, you know, hundreds would come, and he'd pray and lead them to Christ. And 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 when asked, you know, George, how many people were saved? His response, I love his response. He would say, "Only time will tell." Because that's what, it's, and he's not saying like, you know, that 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 they've got to work out their salvation in this sense of like they have to do so many good things over this period of time. He's saying, "Wait till the tribulation comes." Wait till something happens in their life. We'll see if they have deep roots. This is why I tell you, uh, you, um, any of you who are like looking for a spouse, um, you know, you obviously like you want to find someone who loves the Lord. And then I would tell you, like, find the, like, like run for the cross, and like you just keep pursuing the cross, and then look over and see who's running with you. And then you just put your head back down, and you just keep running to the cross. And then, you know, six months, a year go by, look around again. See who's still at your side. If they're still there, maybe that's who I would tell you to, to pursue. If they're behind you, just, just leave them there. See, see what they do. Because what, what happens is, is sometimes you start dating someone, and, and you're focused on them, and then uh, something bad happens in their life, and they fall away. And I've seen too many people fall away with them, from that influence. Uh, And so um, we see Jesus talking about someone with like this superficial heart. They have no deep roots. They're not an oak tree. Um, When I lived in North Carolina this time of year, uh, we would get frost. And my apartment was about uh, like right beside all these pine trees. And you just hear this cracking and pine trees would just be falling because the frost would get so heavy and they have no roots to carry that. And uh, Scripture teaches us we need to be like an oak tree with these deep roots that are strong, that can take the tribulation, the persecution. The third type of soil we see here is this, is this divided heart. You see Jesus talking about this person. He, ha- he has cares for Jesus, but he also has cares for the world. And at some point, he's looking at this hand, he's going, Jesus can give me this, but man, look what the world can give me. And you look back and forth a few times and after a while you get deceived is what the text says in verse 22. That you're deceived and you think these things can offer you so much more peace than what Jesus can offer you. That you'll be more complete chasing these things. And so you surrender and you you quit Jesus and you keep chasing after these things and so you fall away. Then the last soil is this fruitful heart. This is the one who who hears the word and understands it and under- listen listen to me man i pray you get this if this is you this morning like like you love this book you cherish it you can't get enough of jesus then understand that it's by the good grace of the lord that you're that way that he's opened your eyes to where you see it because for all of us, there was a time where we looked at this, and, and we didn't want this. And so Jesus has been extremely gracious to us. And now notice that he who does understand it, he who has this new heart, this fruitful heart, he will bear fruit. The true repentive Christian will bear fruit. Now you'll see that we bear different amounts of fruit. Some are given hundredfold and another 60 and another 30, but we all bear fruit. Uh, The next parable is actually very similar. So the second parable, which are the parable of the weeds, and then the seventh parable, the parable of the net, they're very similar. They have the same point, pretty much, that Jesus is talking about in this parable that um, in the weeds, uh, we saw that they planted wheat, and then while they went... And while they were sleeping, the enemy came in and planted weeds. That's a, that's a messed up prank, right? You worked hard, getting the garden ready, planting, and then like you come by and you plant weeds. I know that's what you guys do to our garden every year. Um, because I, I just know that we're too good of, uh, of, of farmers for this to happen to us. There's always weeds. And so the, the servants ask a good question. They said, Jesus, do you want to, because they see the weeds coming in, they said, do you want us to come and take out the weeds? And um, Jesus says, no, 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 don't do that, because there's a chance that as you take out the weeds, you might accidentally damage the wheat. So just let them both grow. And then during the harvest time, the reapers, they'll gather it all up together, and then they'll separate um, the, the wheat from the weeds. And likewise, with the story of the net, uh, that there's this fisherman, and he has this large dragnet, and he just throws it in, and he just starts moving the boat, and he's just gathering whatever's down there. And when he gets to shore, he's separating fish from, like, a boot, another fish from, you know, uh, uh, some weeds, some seaweed, whatever you may find. And, and the point that Jesus is saying is that there's a day coming, that there's this, you know, this part of this kingdom that Jesus is establishing is that there's going to be a judgment. And at harvest time, that's what Jesus is saying here, that there's going to be a day of harvest where the angels are going to gather up. Um, and he explains this parable for us in verses 36 through 43. And he's saying that the Son of Man will send out his angels in verse 41, and they will gather out. Of his kingdom, all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father, he who has ears, let him hear. I cannot imagine a day in human history that will be so polarizing, where there'll be this group of people, and what Scripture says there'll be many that will just be wailing and screaming. And on that same day, there are going to be few that are going to be celebrating and cheering, and there will be tears of joy. And that is a real thing that's going to happen. That's why Sean is in the Middle East. That's why Alex is. Is in North Africa. That is why Jordan is in Guatemala right now, because of this very truth. This is why when we leave this place, and we go off to work this week, and go off when you're not going to class, but as you keep those relationships from class, this is why we don't gather on Sunday mornings just to sing some songs and, 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 and just be good Christians, We gather to celebrate what God has done for us and to go out on mission because this is reality, that there are people right now in our lives that if the Lord will return today are going to die and go to hell where there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I have no idea the fullness of that statement, but it doesn't sound great. And yet, so many times we just don't care about these things. We read these and we're like, ah, oh, well, I'm good to go. I pray that the Lord just moves something inside us to where this troubles us, to where we have trouble sleeping tonight because of just the reality of depravity of humanity. That most people that we come in contact with, there's a great chance that they don't know Christ and would be separated. Jesus goes on to explain some more parts of the kingdom of heaven with this idea of the mustard seed and the leaven. So the, par- the third and fourth parables are also very similar. In 31 and 32 is the mustard seed, and verse 33 is the parable of the leaven and the yeast. Here with the with the mustard seed, notice he says it's a very small seed, um, but when, it, when it's planted, it, it grows. It's larger than the, all of the other garden plants in such a way where it becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. The idea here is, uh, and same with the same with the yeast, that, and I love this, like, you know, my wife is an incredible uh, baker, uh, and actually, oh, my daughter Karis is becoming this incredible baker. So, like, she's always like, hey, can we bake? And last night, Karis and I got to bake some stuff. She's incredible. And so, um, uh, we've been baking, and when you bake, like, you can take a little bit of yeast. I mean, you don't need much at all. And here in this parable, Jesus says you take the leaven and three measures of flour, and you put a little bit of yeast or leaven into that flour, Then you just kind of wait. You just go about your day for a little bit. And what happens is that, that yeast, that leaven, will just begin to permeate all throughout that lump of dough. To where, you come back in in a little bit, the whole lump becomes leavened. And Jesus' point here is that the kingdom of heaven, it's a slow process. It's not what, again, the original audience thought. I'm not just coming with a sword this time. I'm coming with a cross. I'm going to die. It's not what you guys think. And think about even the Christmas story, how just unsuspecting it is, right? He's just a baby born to some poor guys in a manger. It's not like this big triumphal entry that maybe they were expecting. And then after the cross, you read Acts 1.8, and maybe they thought, okay, here we go. 2018 and we're still waiting it's still growing the kingdom of heaven is this mustard seed still but think about this all of us today are benefiting from what happened from the book of acts it's a slow process but christianity has grown today to where it's the largest religion in all the world we actually have no idea how many Christians. I mean, you think of China right now. Are you keeping up with China? You need to be reading about China. What's going on in China is amazing. Uh, the underground church, which means, they don't really mean that they like dig down and like build a church underground. It just means that they're not recognized by the government. And so in, in China, these underground churches are being persecuted. They're being captured, being tortured. Um, and, and, and so we have no idea how many Believers are even in China. There's millions in China. There's millions in South Korea. And, and, and all of this goes back to these men who are receiving this message with, with, uh, with joy and taking it out to the ends of the earth. And, but it's a slow process. And you see here that it, it's, it's outward. So, like, we can see the church it's, that's growing Um, but then yet, so that's what we see from the mustard seed one, that it's outward, but then the yeast, I, I look at it as more as being inward, that a little bit of yeast, it goes throughout all the, the bread, the, the dough, um, and that's what the kingdom of heaven does inside us. Now, it starts out a little seed in our heart, and, uh, it begins to grow slowly, uh, But it begins to grow and it it begins to change our thoughts. Uh, It begins to change our motives, our desires, our actions. All because this little seed goes into our heart and just begins to change us from within. That's the kingdom of heaven. That it's outward. We see it moving, evangelism, but it's, it's inward. It's changing us from the inside out. Next, we see this, uh, this picture of this um, hidden treasure and the pearl in, in parables 5 and 6. Uh, so in verses 44 and 45 and 46, we see these parables. Um, and um, I, just, I just love this. My goodness. Jesus makes, he focuses so much on our hearts. Remember, the, the Pharisees focused so much on the external. Remember Jesus reminded them, don't just clean the outside of the cup, but make sure you clean the inside. And, and, and here, the, he's talking about the soil of the heart, and then he gets here to this hidden treasure. And basically, these, these two parables, the hidden treasure and the pearl, it's about you're going to chase after what you, what you value the most. I, I pray you get that truth, that whatever you value in this life that's what you're going to pursue and chase after. And so here Jesus tells us in these two parables that the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field. Now, why would they, who in their right mind would hide a treasure in the field? Well, think, there are no banks at this time. You would bury treasure, you know, think about pirates for goodness sake. You know, pirates couldn't go down to the BB&T and make a deposit. They would bury treasure and they would make a map, right? Well, this is a parable of someone who had lost the map or forgot where he buried it. And so it was just in the, it was hidden in the field. And somebody came across it. And he looked at the treasure. And so there's the treasure and there's also the field, the property that the, that the treasure was in. And then he looked at what he had. And he went, man, everything I have is worth risking and giving up for the value of the treasure in this field. So he goes and he sells everything that he has and buys that. That is who Jesus is. Jesus is this treasure. A lot of times we are deceived to where we think, that the world, this would go back to that third soil, that we look at so many other things, whether it's material things, we look for this, maybe like security and like a job, and we just want to work overtime, and so maybe even when we're working overtime on Sunday, maybe we had the option today, and that might be a person who can't even be here right now, because maybe they had the option of, I can either be in church, or I can make more money by going to work today, and maybe they chose to, um, you know, Set aside being together with other believers to make more money. Not, um, you know, maybe it's because they just want more stuff, and Jesus isn't that valuable to them. Maybe it's uh, relationships. So you value these relationships, and I know if I chase hard after God, then she won't like me as much, or he won't like me. Or, Or, or maybe it's just like just approval of others, that you have these things. Or maybe it's like moving up and, you know, having uh, status in your workplace. And that's what's most important to you. I learned this years ago, and this has been so helpful for me. Whatever you think about the most, whatever you talk about the most, that is probably what you worship. That is what you value the most. So for some of us, it could be kids. Let me just confess this morning that there are times where I put my kids too high. I make make too much of my children. I look at them and I look at time with the Lord and I go, no, I'm going to do this. That we can even take good things like our families and we can put them above Christ. And Christ's saying, he's saying to us today, he's saying, I am the greatest treasure you will ever have. Have you ever experienced that? Have you ever just gotten to the point where, like, Christ is just everything? I mean, I know some of you, are gonna get, your worlds are going to get rocked in about uh, two weeks, three weeks. There's about 43 of us from this church, from Campus Collective, that are going to go to CrossCon in Louisville. The Cross Conference is this incredible conference, and we just get to sit under some amazing teaching and just be encouraged, but I know that we're going to be just convicted that we make too much of things of the world and that we don't treasure Christ. I love the quote from Piper about missions. He says, missions exist because worship doesn't. That's why we have to go out, because people don't see Christ as a treasure. The same concepts with the pearl, with this um, um, fifth and sixth parable. We've talked about the seventh parable. It's the parable with the nets. It's very similar to the parable of the weeds. The last parable um, is this parable of the new and old treasure in verses 51 through 52. Have you understood all these things, they said to him? Yes. And he said to them, therefore... Every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out his treasure, what is new and what is old. So here he's talking to his disciples. You remember in in verse 36, he left the crowds, and now he's just focusing on his disciples. And he's reminding them that, that that Jesus is not throwing out all the old covenant. He's not just saying, like, that was bad. Remember, the old covenant was a good thing. It just wasn't sufficient. And so Jesus is saying, cherish what I've done, um, but just know that I'm doing something different right now. I'm revealing the things of secret to you. Um, Paul talks about this in, in Ephesians chapter 3. He says that uh, Paul, Paul says that, that the, the things of secret are being um, manifested or made known to you uh, in this generation, that they weren't made in other generations, in the previous generations. And so we join in with these disciples that we have something unique. And we talked about this a little bit in the last few weeks, that, that we get to do something that like John the Baptist, who was the greatest man who ever walked, never got to do. John the Baptist never got to preach the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus. You think about that? But we have that opportunity to preach the greatest message ever. And so that's what this last parable is about. It's about that, that we need to appreciate the things of the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, um, but understand that this new covenant is sufficient and that uh, we have both. So where are you this morning? Is Christ everything for you? Paul writes this in Philippians 3. Look at this verse, Philippians 3. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Um, Paul had a lot to lose. A few verses before Philippians 8, he, he makes this list of accolades. Basically, he's saying that he was the Jew of all Jews. There's nobody better than Paul. And he's saying, I counted all as loss. All the status, all the wealth that his past had brought him. He said, man, forget it all. I count it as Rubbish. That I may gain Christ. Earlier in Philippians, he says, "To die is what. To gain," and and, and so here's this picture Paul saying, "I'm, I'm, you can't you can't stop what God's doing inside me. That I'm willing to risk it all. The kingdom of, of heaven is worth losing everything for. Because you have everything to gain." See, that's what Paul realized. Like, you're not losing anything. The things that you think you're losing, you're gaining so much more in Christ. You think these things can satisfy you and bring you comfort and convenience? and you're wrong. Christ can do things in your life that those things can never do. He can bring so much comfort and security. You can't be shaken. So when tribulation and trials come, Bring them. Nothing can stop me. Nothing can stop the kingdom of heaven. It is growing. It is this movement of God that cannot be stopped. And you get to be a part of that. That you are part of this kingdom. So what are we going to do with it? Where is your heart this morning? What's going on? Do you have roots? Are you taking time to get grounded? So things like Meditating on the words of the Lord, talking to the Lord throughout the day, being a part of Sunday morning, being in a community group, a D group, sharing your faith, memorizing scripture. All these things will add up to give you roots, deep roots. Which treasure are you chasing after? Where are you pursuing is Jesus worth losing everything for? Are you ready to be on mission? Are you ready to keep advancing this kingdom? We know we're getting to it in a few weeks that the gates of hell cannot even stop this movement of God. That we're on an attack, we're on an, we're advancing. And Jesus says, "I'm going forward with you or without you. Who's with me? Are you with him this morning?" Are you ready to go? Be on mission this week. I'm going to invite the band to come back up as I, as I pray for us. Uh, Lord Jesus, thank you so much for today. I pray that our hearts are ready, that we would be that fourth soil, that we would be the hearts of bearing much fruit, that we would be on mission, that we would see you as this treasure, and that we would understand that the kingdom of heaven is worth risking everything for God I pray that we would not be deceived by the evil one to think that this world can offer anything uh, that you can't uh, offer in a, in, a, in a more fulfilling way Lord I pray that our hearts would be broken for the loss of this world, I pray that we would realize that that the harvest is coming, there's a day coming, Lord. Lord, may we use these weeks of holiday seasons, of traveling with loved ones, for our loved ones that don't know you, Lord, I pray that right now seeds are being sowed into their hearts and that... uh, or that we would sow seeds. But Lord, that, that, uh, that we know that you're the one who's going to save them. And we can water and we can sow, but you're the one that gives the growth, Lord. So Lord, I pray for those that we'll be uh, ministering to this week. I pray that you're growing um, in their hearts. That they would respond. They would bow their knee. They would become a part of this kingdom. you're going to reign and rule forever and then and only then there'll be no more suffering and lord may our suffering now make us long for that kingdom to come and for your will to be done we pray all this in christ's name amen